Good morning, everyone. This is Johnny Tan, author of From My Mama's Kitchen, Food for the Soul, Recipes for Living. Welcome to From My Mama's Kitchen Talk Radio Show. Here's a quick announcement. Our September Heart-Centered and Passion-Driven Inspirations for Better Living digital magazine designed to help moms build a better future for themselves, their families, and loved ones is currently available at www.inspirationsforbetterliving.com. The magazines offer inspirational stories from our dedicated team of experts to help you navigate your current situation with confidence in your motherhood journey as the COO, if not the CEO, of your family. So please go to www.inspirationsforbetterliving.com and treat yourself to some engaging, entertaining, and enlightening stories. You deserve it. As for our radio show today, my guest for this morning is Jim Phillips. Jim is a life strategist, speaker, and America's leading authority on living in full expression. He has spent 30-plus years inspiring others to higher levels of achievement and understanding through his strategy sessions, coaching, writing, and more than 20 international business conference presentations. Jim is a best-selling author with three books to his credit, including The Key to Life, From Inspirations to Intention, and a collaborative book titled The Wellness Universe Guide to Complete Self-Care, 25 Tools for Stress Relief. Jim is a featured expert in Becoming the Keys, a movie in the Keys movie trilogy, alongside with notables as Don Miguel Rios, Dr. Joe Vitale, Daniel Brinkley, Michael Bernard Backwood, Jack Canfield, Masi Shimnoff, and John Gray. Jim's work has been featured on CBS, NBC, ABC, Fox News, and hundreds of nationally syndicated television, newspaper, and magazines, including Tribe Global, Birdie Tree Magazine, World Living Magazine, 1111 Magazine, and Inspire Me Today. Jim's latest contribution is a compelling story to our October Inspirations for Better Living digital magazine, Papa's Wisdom Section. Jim and I will be having a conversation about his remarkable life journey and a compelling message, why the truth is more important now than ever before. Good morning, Jim. Welcome to From My Mama's Kitchen Talk Radio. How are you doing today? Good morning, Johnny. I'm great. Thank you for having me on. Fantastic. The key to life, living in full expression. Thank you, by the way, for sending me the book. It's a compelling read. And... What I love about it is that thank you so much for sharing the insightful ancient wisdom with our modern world. <laughs> One thing that's interesting about, about the book, and this is what I've been told by a lot of folks who have read it, mm-hmm. is that in the book, I don't tell anybody what to do. I ask a lot of questions, and it really is about raising the questions within each one of us so that mm-hmm. we can find our own answers, because the truth is what we hold is true. It's not necessarily what somebody tells us. And right. we have to continuously be moving towards that truth as it applies to ourselves. And then the right. other thing I want to mention about the book is that the word life is the acronym for living in full expression. So mm-hmm. to me, that is why we're here. We're, we're here to not only reveal to ourselves the truth of who we are, we're to live in full expression of that truth. Love it. So let's get started to get to know you a little bit better. Please tell us a quick walkthrough of your life from childhood to the present moment. It, it, it's, I've had a remarkably unremarkable life, and by that I mean I don't think that I have had any experience that was extraordinary 
that was above and beyond what most people have as their life experiences. We all have certain things that happen to us that will cause us to think about life perhaps in a different way than we had prior to having a specific experience. But it, it, it's just been a life where, for as long as I can remember, and I, I write about this in the article you just mentioned, but mm-hmm. my life has been all about just being very aware of who I am, what I believe I'm here to do, trying to figure out how I can live up to that life purpose that I believe that I am, I am here to live up to, actually what all of us are here to live up to. And I reflect on, on my life, and I've had just different situations that have come up that have just given me an opportunity to kind of step up and step into that uh, opportunity or into those opportunities, I think, to, to do what I believe that is not only interesting to me and I'm compelled to do, but I think a benefit to, to other people. So to answer your question more specifically, even in my teenage years, I was very much interested in who we are as, as humans and why some people are appearing to have more success than others and why some people have different situations. You know, one of the big questions that I ask myself, and this was not asked when I was a teenager, but this more or less mm-hmm. evolved into really what I speak about today, and that is looking at why some people are born into certain circumstances and others are not. Why was I born a white man in a upper middle class family in the United States where other people are born born into really challenging and difficult circumstances in other countries where it just appears that there's there's no real opportunity. And yet, when I asked that question, it was the only answer I could come up to is that we we have to be born into the situations that are perfectly suited for the life experiences our soul intended for us. Nothing else makes sense to me. I don't buy into the idea that there is this God or spirit or source, whatever we want to call that, mm-hmm. that life force or that creative force. It doesn't make sense that they would say, okay, you get to have this wonderful life and you over here, I'm going to put you in these really dire circumstances that's going to be nothing but struggle. So mm-hmm. to me, the, the answer, and it's what I continue to work on every day, and this is the whole idea of getting to the truth, and that is that we, we are born into those circumstances best suited for the life our soul intends. And I'll go one step further and say that we are involved in that choice process, that we chose to, to be born into those circumstances, into that family, into that country, into that race, into that nationality. All of those things are a part of the choices that were, were made, I believe, prior to incarnation that would mm-hmm. allow us to have the opportunities that life would provide for us to live life the way our soul intended. And then, you know, just moving through my life, I, I met different people. I, I got into metaphysics in my, my early 20s. I was dating a woman who, interesting, it was kind of funny. She gave me Wayne Dyer's book, Your Erroneous mm-hmm. Zones. And being 24 years old, I read it as being your erogenous zone. So I got all excited, <laughs> you know, thinking about all these wonderful things that were going to happen. But it opened me up to a different way of looking at life and, and led me to understand that really our thoughts and beliefs are what is controlling or contributing greatly to the way our life unfolds. And I think when we understand the correlation between our thoughts and beliefs and choices and we start to see that these things actually are coming about as a result of our thoughts, beliefs, and choices, we recognize how powerful we are. But unfortunately, too often we don't want to take credit for or acknowledge that we have that power because it's easier when something goes wrong to point fingers at circumstances that we believe are outside of ourselves 
or blame it on another person or something somebody else might have done that we can say impacted us in a in a way that caused us to have a difficult experience. But the, the truth is that we are always the last person to make a choice. We choose to do or not to do something. We choose to believe or not to believe something. We choose the thoughts that we allow into our mind. What we don't control are the circumstances. We, we, we do have an influence and we, we, we can influence the, 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 the outcome by what we do leading up to it. But we have control over our thoughts, beliefs, choices, and subsequent actions that we take. And that all will result in whatever the circumstances are or the, the consequences. And so really just continuing along my life, I got into real estate at a, at a young age when I was 24. I was a real estate agent. From that, I went into management about 10 years later. And through all of this, I got into speaking and training and writing. And a lot of what I was doing had to do with the real estate industry, but I always had a very spiritual side to it. And I felt it was a way for me to share this knowledge, this wisdom, if you will, that I was working with people, but through real estate. And maybe it was because I wasn't willing to own what it was that I was believing. Maybe it was too far-fetched. Maybe I just felt that people would look at me and think I was crazy or question why I would say what I would say. And so maybe... Part of it was coming out in real estate that gave me that opportunity. But then it just it got to the point where more and more of the information I was receiving became too important, I think, to, to, to hide or to uh, camouflage in the guise of things that were happening in business. Although I will say that the business world certainly needs to have a more spiritual outlook and just as we talk about our own soul, there is a soul of a company, soul of an organization, soul of a group that we might be a part of. So I think all of it does apply to each one of these different levels of, of uh, engagement or interaction that we're going to have with other people. And then just to kind of sum this up, from there, it was, it was really just looking at the opportunities that were presented to me to speak, to write, to share what I know. The book came about as a result of just having so much information that I felt I needed to put down on paper and then finally got to the point where I, I put it on paper, submitted it, got it published. From that came a lot of opportunities to be on shows like this. I've been on television a couple of times. As you mentioned, I've written a lot of articles for magazines. I got to appear in the movie. I have clients that I've been working with for long periods of time to help them through difficult times in their lives. And... And when I say help, it's not me telling them what to do. Again, I, I, I want people to understand that any healing we do is self-healing. It's not healing that somebody else is going to be doing on our behalf. We can help somebody open up to the innate power that they have and then work with them to uh, allow that, that innate power, that innate healing that we have to, to take effect. But none of us are healing other people. We, we can serve as an example of what's possible but I don't think that we actually do the healing. We're, we're there to support people in their own healing. And then it just brings us to where we are right now. I'm, I'm 67 years old. I'm still working on a daily basis. I have 80 agents that I work with. I still bring a lot of what I say and what I do into the real estate business, but I've also become much more focused on getting more of the information that I've been given over the course of my lifetime through my writing, my speaking, my coaching, life strategy work, and, and that sort of thing. So that's where we are and what my life's been about. Fantastic. It's really, really interesting. You started out, obviously, as a child. As you say, like all kids, I would presume, has that burning desire of curiosity. Why is this? Why is that? And so forth. 
in life. But mm-hmm. did you mm-hmm. experience an epiphany in the sense that, wait a minute now, I think I'm going this way or that way. Was there a moment in time that you consciously saw that when you look around your friends, obviously, right? Because we all grew up with friends that Mm -hmm. I'm deviating from whether it's a norm or whatever, something happened there. Really, there wasn't an epiphany where all of a sudden Mm -hmm. I woke up one morning and say, I've got the answers or this is the direction that I need to go. I, I have been an observer my whole life. In fact, a mm-hmm. lot of my friends would probably say that I'm very aloof because a lot of times I wouldn't engage when other people engage. I'd more or less sit on the sidelines, but it wasn't because of being aloof or because I felt that I didn't fit in or anything. It was I wanted to mm-hmm. observe, and I was looking at what other people were doing and what they were saying. And it, it has been, as you mentioned earlier, this this curiosity really about what life is all about and where I fit in. And I'm not going to say that there weren't times when I questioned where do I fit in because mm-hmm. many situations showed up where I did feel like I was an outsider because what I was thinking and what I was doing and what I was believing didn't seem to be what my friends were thinking and doing and believing. And I guess at a young age, it's something that I'll say that I didn't talk to them about. I'm not going to say other people don't talk about it. I just didn't. I didn't, mm-hmm. I didn't feel comfortable with it for whatever reason. But it, it was just this this knowing that there had to be something different, that there had to be something more to life than what I was experiencing. And the more that I I got into that thought process of just Mm -hmm. questioning and looking at what life was and what was happening and how this was and that was, and, you know, some of my friends' family would have a lot of money. My family didn't have a lot of money, but we weren't, certainly weren't poor or destitute or anything, but we, we, we made ends meet as a family. And yet I was happy because that's all that I knew in life at that particular time. And, you know, we had our issues within the family. We had, I've got uh, two brothers and a sister. We had our issues, but it was really just about living life and keeping my eyes open and listening. And I think probably the main thing, and this really gets to the point that we're, mm-hmm. that we're going to be talking about with regard to the truth. Right. And that was, I never became so set in my beliefs that I wasn't willing to to listen to new information. I I didn't block that. And I think that's what happens too often is we get on this particular track of of thought that all we do from that point forward is attract that that same level of thought or those same topic or subject matter. And it's called confirmation bias. It's something that really Mm -hmm. has come to the forefront now recently because of the Internet conspiracy theories and all that sort of thing. But we continuously bring into our awareness those things that already support what we believe. But I've always been one to look at all the all the sides. That doesn't mean that I don't want my side to be the one that is true, but I have to be open to to all points of view so that I can come to my own point of view because that's my truth and that's what I'm living from and that's what I'm making my decisions against. And if, if I can't be comfortable in that and knowing that that's my decision and not something based on what somebody else is saying or doing, but I'm comfortable in speaking out on it, that's all, that's what's important to me. And, and, but here's the point with that, Johnny, and that is that mm-hmm. just because any of us hold something is true, it doesn't make it the truth. Right. It just means that whatever information we have to that point and what experiences we've had to that point are what we're basing that truth on. 
That's why I believe we need to be open to more information, new ideas, new points of view, anything that we can take in that would not not necessarily change what we hold is true, but enhance it so that we're continuously evolving and and moving into the truth, which, quite frankly, is what I believe the purpose of life is. It's mm-hmm. a progressive realization of the truth and everything that we do, all the interactions we have, all of the people we meet, the relationships we're in, all the jobs, the careers. I mean, all of that mm-hmm. is a part of our moving through this progressive realization so that we mm-hmm. finally end up with the ultimate truth, whatever that is. True. But, James, we are conditioned consciously or subconsciously. And you're talking about what is bias or in this case, subconscious bias. I mean, we go through the process as a child. We look at our parents or our immediate circle of influence as the people that are telling the truth, right? Whatever they tell us. And then we go to a period Mm -hmm. where we hit puberty, and that's when, hello, world, maybe there's something more than what mom and dad knew. (laughs) And so we go out there and trying to find things, and, of course, in school and everything else. And then we'll spend... Right after that, the teenage years and in college and so forth, to validate what we seem to be thinking that's the truth. So how mm-hmm. do we shift that paradigm in terms of, I'm like you, I'm always curious to whereby I want to make an informed decision. So I want to mm-hmm. hear both sides of the stories, and I've never run away from that because I want to know. So that first and foremost, the informed decision that I make is myself. And then hopefully in the process mm-hmm. of doing that, I'm sharing the process with the people mm-hmm. I'm involved with. And then hopefully they can use the same formula for lack of a better term. Mm-hmm. I, I think it all stems from getting to a place of awareness. Mm-hmm. And, and really awareness is nothing more than paying attention. It, it, mm-hmm. it is really looking at what's happening within us and also what's happening external to us. At some point, we come to the realization that there is a correlation between the two, how we feel on the inside, what we're, what we're thinking, what we're doing, what, you know, how we're being is being projected, and we're going to have an external response to that. But I think at some point in our lives, everything you said was true. We are, we, we're born into a family. The, the family, parents, aunts, uncles, everybody will tell us what is true based on their beliefs, which has been based on what they were told was true based on their parents' beliefs. And nobody really questions whether or not it is the truth. And I think we just get to the point where we have to realize that just because something is continuously repeated doesn't make it true. Now, it acts as the truth because we make decisions against it. When you make decisions against it, you're going to have results that are reflective of whatever that is that you hold is true. But I think that, as an example for me, when I was growing up, certain things would happen where you know, maybe in, in my life I was told that, uh, let's just say I was told that I was not a good writer or I mm-hmm. couldn't spell or mm-hmm. I didn't have a good command of the English language. Well, you know, at some point when I started writing, I said, well, you know, where did that come from? Why, why would I hold the belief that I can't write? Mm-hmm. That, that because I hold that belief would prevent me from putting out information that I feel I'm being given that not only would benefit me, which I think is the primary purpose for information each one of us is given, but then because of who I am and how I might live in this world could then be a benefit to other people. Well, where did that come from? And why am I allowing that opinion? Because that's all it is. When somebody tells us something is mm-hmm. true, it's their opinion based on whatever information they have. And I think that we, we need to question it. Now, 
giving back to when we're children and or a parent. When you're a parent, mm-hmm. what's the worst question you get from your children? Why, 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 why? I mean, they keep hammering. <laughs> why does this happen? Why is it this way? And we finally get to the point where we, because that's the way it is. Mm-hmm. And we, we don't allow them to, to really – we don't. I shouldn't say we don't allow them to. We don't dig deep into it enough to where we can explain it. Maybe because we're embarrassed because we don't understand it completely and we don't have the mm-hmm. answers. But that's a perfect opportunity for us to say, well, yeah, why is that true? Or why is that so? What can we do to really dig into that to find out more about it? I'll give you an interesting example. This was something that when I, when I first heard this, it kind of blew me away, and I had to, I had to look it up. <laughs> we've, we've been told, as most people know, that Columbus mm-hmm. discovered America in 1492, right? That, then, mm-hmm. And that when he went out, the world was flat. And then when he came back, the world was round because he had been mm-hmm. able to circumnavigate the globe and, and all this kind of stuff. I was told by a speaker one time that the globe, the physical globe, like the metal globe you can go by or you see in a library or whatever, mm-hmm. was invented in 1492. I looked it up. The globe was invented in 1492, the same year, supposedly, that Columbus went out and discovered the world was not flat. <laughs> I just find that to be remarkable. <laughs> now, we also know that there's been people in, the, in, in North America, this part of the world, long before Columbus. Right. Was but my right. point being, we accept that. And we have a song, you know, the song, in 1492, Columbus sailed the ocean blue. I mean, we learned that in school, and that becomes the truth <laughs> as we know it. But yet, it's not. And, mm-hmm. I, and I think what that tells me also is that how much of the history that we're taught, whether it's in school, whether it's through whatever means, how much of the history we're taught is flawed? And I'm going to say a lot of it is because right. it's just one person's perspective. And, of course, mm-hmm. we hear when, you, when there's wars and stuff that goes on, whichever side you listen to, it's based on their experience. Mm-hmm. And if somebody has lost a war, they're certainly not going to tell you how it was in losing it. They're going to give you a totally different perspective or somebody who believes they won the war or somebody may say they won the war when, in fact, they lost it. Mm-hmm. And yet that's the history that we're given and that we accept and we believe. And we, we have to get to this point, in my opinion, of being really, really discerning and not just accept information that people are giving us because it fits in with what we already believe or because it's somebody that we trust. And that doesn't mm-hmm. mean we become distrusting of people that we hold in high esteem, but it means we still question it, not to make them wrong, but to make sure that we're getting the information that we need to live our life in and from the truth. And then, of course, the Internet, all social media contributes to the disinformation that's out there. And the question that I have more and more is the more that this disinformation is put out there, the more that people accept it and embrace it, the more that people live from it, how far from the truth are we? And that's scary. Mm-hmm. We, may be, we may be living, and in fact are living, a total lie in, in many regards. But when we readily accept this information that's being put out there that, in my opinion, is blatantly false because I haven't been able to find anything that would support it, but yet many, many people are living on it and basing their lives on it, making decisions against it, how far from the truth are we? And what do we need to do to make sure that we, we get on track? Although – you know, we're never off track. I just want to make that point. Life is what life is. And mm-hmm. we can say somebody's off track, but it's, they're, not, they're not off track. They're on the track they decided to take, so they eventually right. get to the truth. They, they take a detour, and they go in whatever direction they go, but it's still going to get them to the ultimate truth after everything is said and done. 
That's right. So true. Very, very true. And I'll answer that question right after when we finish this quick announcement. You're listening to From My Mama's Kitchen Talk Radio. Our podcasts are available on iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitches Radio, Blueberry Podcasting, TuneIn Radio, Mixcloud, Podchaser, Listen Notes, and Hop Hopper. I'm Johnny Tan, your host. Here's a quick reminder to treat yourself to the September edition of our heart-centered and passion-driven Inspirations for Better Living digital magazine at www.inspirationsforbetterliving.com. My guest for this morning is Jim Phillips. Jim is a life strategist, speaker, and America's leading authority on living in full expression. He has spent 30-plus years inspiring others to higher levels of achievement and understanding through his strategy sessions, coaching, writing, and more than 20 international business conference presentations. Jim is a best-selling author with three books to his credit, including The Key to Life, From Inspirations to Intentions, and a collaborative book titled The Wellness Universe Guide to Complete Self-Care, 25 Tools to Stress Relief. Jim is a featured expert in Becoming the Keys, a movie in the Key Movies series trilogy, alongside other notables as Don Miguel Rios, Dr. Joe Vitale, Daniel Brinkley, Michael Backwood, Jack Canfield, Marcy Smirnoff, and John Gray. Jim and I are having a conversation about his remarkable life journey and a compelling message why the truth is more important now than ever. Jim, I look at it this way, though. I mean, we have to trust somewhere, and that trust started out when we were young. It's developed over a period of time, and unfortunately, that truth is difficult to take away. And so we go out there, and we are looking for signs of validation of what we perceive to be true. And fast forward in today's world, that's what you have. We have to trust somebody and of authority figure, for example. That comes back to that nuclear family, so to speak. We believe in our parents. God forbid we're going to say, I don't trust our parents, right? So that's a natural norm, so to speak. However, you are right. Somewhere along the line in our lives, we have the choice to go out there and what I use the term is, let's Google the Google, <laughs> to find out mm-hmm. both sides of the equation, so to speak, and then we can make an informed decision. And that's where we're falling short, so to speak, because we are relying on someone else to tell us what the truth is to us. And I think that's the blind side. Well, one of the things that in, in, in my presentations, mm-hmm. and, and, and of course, what you're saying is absolutely true, and I think there becomes a big, and I'm going to get back to what I was just going to say, Mm-hmm. I, I think we get to a point in life where we have to start allowing ourselves to trust ourselves mm-hmm. because we we rely too much on outside resources. And we all right. have this ability to discern the truth if we give ourselves that opportunity to do it. And I think that that once we once we trust that that inner knowing, which we all have and we've all experienced before, we've had those gut reactions and we didn't honor it and we did something and it turned out wrong. And we say, I wish I had followed my intuition. I wish I had followed that that gut feeling that I had because it would have given us the information we needed or it would have given us the experience that we were looking for. Right. But what I was going to say about presentations, one of, one of the things I ask or one of the questions I ask for my presentations is, I ask people, I say, what one thing could you do today 
that would absolutely change the way your life unfolds from this moment forward. Mm-hmm. And I had one guy who was in one of my presentations kind of being a smart aleck. He said, I could go kill my neighbor. <laughs> and I said, yeah, that's true. If you went over and murdered your neighbor, that would definitely change your life. But that's not what I had in mind. But what one thing could you do that would really alter your life from this point forward? People give all kinds of answers and, and that sort of thing. But the answer for me is mm-hmm. trust. That if mm-hmm. you started trusting yourself, you, you would do more things than you're doing right now. You wouldn't question whether or not you could actually do something. But if you're inspired to do something, you would follow that inspiration. The trusting also is trusting that whatever you need to fulfill that inspiration is going to be provided to you. And that's trusting in life, God's spirit, whatever, whatever anybody wants to call mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. And I think once we get on that, that track, I'm not going to say path, because our life, our life is our path. And people sometimes mm-hmm. say, I've just started a spiritual path. No, you didn't. You started a spiritual phase of your life path. Your life is your path. I mean, everything mm-hmm. we do is that same path. Every mm-hmm. experience we have is part of our life path. So when we trust, though, we do things that maybe we wouldn't have done if we didn't trust that, number one, we could do it, if we didn't trust that we were worthy of it, if we didn't trust that we have the capability of it, and if we didn't trust that we're also going to be supported by God's spirit, the universe, whatever. And when I've shared that with people, it's like an aha moment because it's not something that we necessarily think about. But the more we trust ourselves, the more we allow that gut feeling, the intuitions that we all have to be prominent in our lives, the stronger it becomes and the easier it is to trust it because Mm -hmm. we now see that that is our inner guidance, that, that is helping us in terms of making the decision and revealing the life opportunities and experiences that I believe we're intended to have. That's true. But don't you think that we are also preconditioned by environment? Because if we grew up over the years surrounding ourselves with people that are sort of not necessarily driven, but uh, influenced by fear living versus love living, mm-hmm. that will inevitably affect our thought process in many ways. Yeah, but then it, it, it gets back to the whole point of awareness. Mm-hmm. If, if we're going to allow our environment or our circumstances to dictate how we live life, mm-hmm. then we're, we're victims. We're mm-hmm. saying that everything that happens externally is in control, that I mm-hmm. have nothing to say about my life, I have nothing to say how my life's unfolding, that more or less life is predetermined. That, you know, this is just kind of the cards I've been dealt. That's a crutch. That becomes mm-hmm. an excuse because we can just sit back and say, no, nah, this is just the way it is. You know, one of the, one of the questions you were going to ask me in our, when we had a pre-conversation was about God's mm-hmm. will. That's another right. thing people will say, that if something right. happens in their lives, they just say, oh, it's God's will. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, my question to that is, why would God will you have that horrendous thing happen to you? Right. Why, how, how could that possibly happen unless you have this, this opinion or this idea of a God or a spirit or whatever being this vindictive being that out of the 9 billion or 7 billion people on the planet, they chose you and said, I'm going to make you suffer. Right. I mean, that, that's ridiculous to me. And I know other people don't share that same belief, and that's okay. But that's just the conclusion that I've come to through my life experiences, the information that I've received the, the inspirations that I have received and followed, and that's where I am. 
It doesn't mean right. that that's going to be what I believe 10 years from now. Lots of right. stuff is going to happen. What's interesting about what you're talking about in terms of the truth, more important now than ever, it gives us the opportunity to be looking at from the lens of we are the architect of our lives. It doesn't matter where you start. Mm -hmm. Obviously, if you start on the left side of the equation, then you're continually going down that path. Like you say, it's your life path. But if you're on the mm -hmm. fear path, you grew up and said, don't do this, don't do that, don't do this. Mm -hmm. The conversation is based on, have you heard so-and-so, this, 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 and it's on the other side of the equation. But what you're saying is that self-awareness brings us into the situation, well, let me change something. And that brings me to, this is the interesting thing, we all believe in miracles. So can we consider miracle as intentional living? Yeah, there's a couple of things about that. I want to, I want to share one of the quotes mm -hmm. that, that's in my, I think it's in my book. I, uh, I believe it's in my book. That really speaks to what you just said. And that is, life is the autobiography we write as it mm -hmm. is lived. Be careful you are not so attached to what has been written that you're not aware to what you are writing. Mm -hmm. And basically that's just saying what happened, has, what happened, happened. And, and not that it didn't have an impact, not that it wasn't difficult, not that it's not important. But right now, in this minute that we're standing in, in this moment that we're standing in, that's the only time we have. And if we're going to spend time worrying about what took place before, if we're going to continuously look back at our history. And I, when I say history, I'm talking about personal history, not right, as right. humanity, although we can certainly do that. But if I'm going to be so stuck on history, what I've already written, that I'm not present to what I'm doing right now. I'm not present to what I can create right now. I'm not, mm -hmm. I'm not present to the history that I'm creating that I can look back on a year from now, a day from now, 10 minutes from now. And I think we just need to understand that we are constantly creating the life experiences in each moment. And it is mm -hmm. based, in my opinion, upon our thoughts, beliefs, choices, and actions. And then mm -hmm. what happens, happens. And how we respond to that then becomes another aspect of our life. Here's one of the challenges with miracles, and that is that organized religion has given us a definition or a vision of a miracle as being something above and beyond what any of us can create, that you have right. to have been some special person who lived at some point in time, typically in well in ancient times, and that only they were capable of doing these things. And yet, to me, a miracle is an everyday occurrence. Mm -hmm. It is something as simple as if you're standing in the grocery line, and let's say you've had a horrendous day, you're angry, you're upset, you're just in a bad mood, and you, you're, you know, you're ready to smack anybody that would say something to you. <laughs> but standing in front of you is a woman with her grocery cart, and there's a baby sitting in it. And this baby is just sitting there doing what babies do. They look around, they're engaged, they're full of joy, they're smiling, they're you know, waving their hands around, and your eyes catch this baby's eyes. And all of a sudden, as soon as that happens, you're totally disarmed. You let go of the anger. You let go of the fear. You let go of the angst. You let go of the frustration and everything else that's been going on. You kind of melt in the moment because right. of just the presence of that baby. Who's to say that's not a miracle? If, if a smile from a small baby like that can totally change our physiology and the mm -hmm. way we're experiencing life in that moment, I think that's a miracle. So to me, a miracle is nothing more than an act of creation, and it's just creating the event. It's creating an experience. 
Mm-hmm. It is, you know, anytime we have a thought about something and all of a sudden the object of the thought becomes manifest in right. whatever form it takes, that to me is a miracle. And we're supported in that. But the key to that, to me, is that you have to believe in it. You've got to believe mm-hmm. that that is possible. You have to believe that you are, in fact, creating miracles. Mm-hmm. And you have to believe that life itself is a miracle. I mean, just all the stuff that we see going on on a daily basis and the interactions with people and all the trees and the plants and everything else that's going on is a miracle. Mm-hmm. And I think once we accept that and we let go of this definition or this idea of a miracle being something like walking on water, mm-hmm. that it, it allows us to live life a little bit more fully. Mm-hmm. So to get back to your whole idea of the miracle, yes, I do believe that. I do believe that miracles are part of everyday living. And I do believe mm-hmm. it is what can help us live extraordinary lives. More, ex- I think everybody's life is extraordinary, but a more extraordinary right. life based on what we've lived to this moment. We create more opportunities, more experiences, more situations. And I think in doing that, we serve as an example to others of what's possible. So true. How do we deconstruct fear? Because that's the number one factor in all of our life. When I say this number one, because if you look at situations, even your own experience, two separate Mm -hmm. but equal forces govern all our decisions in our personal and professional life in many ways, fear Mm -hmm. or love. Mm -hmm. And so Mm -hmm. how do we deconstruct the fear come? Well, I think the first thing is we have to look at fear in in terms of what it really is. And we Mm -hmm. can say fear, you know, like if if you're walking through the woods and all of a sudden a grizzly bear jumps out at you, that experience that you have, we can say that's fear, but it's actually heightened awareness. It is alerting us to the fact that we are possibly in danger. And we don't think about it as being afraid until mm-hmm. after it's happened, because then we think about it. We, we have, oh, my God, this could have happened or that could have happened, you know, assuming that nothing terrible happened to you during that time. Right. But to me, fear is nothing more than an idea of, of what we believe is going to take place Typically, it's based on perhaps something that we experienced before. So then again, we're relying on history, and all history is is an experience we had in a prior moment. Or it's the fear about what we think could potentially happen down the road, you know, today, mm-hmm. tomorrow, whatever, you know, whatever additional time frame. So when you have something that is nothing more than an idea, you deconstruct it by understanding that's all it is. It's just an idea. And I'm, I'm standing in my office right now. So I, I can start thinking about something that I would find very difficult or challenging. I can create fear within my physiology. I can actually feel like I get stressed out. My heart could start beating a little mm-hmm. bit uh, faster and, and all these things, which are you know manifestations of fear. That could prevent me from doing something that I really want to do or really need to do. And if, but if I get to the point where I realize, okay, that's just an idea I have. There's really nothing going on here that is telling me that I can't do that other than that idea that I'm holding on to. So for me, fear is, and I use the word fear as an acronym to deconstruct fear. And I'll just go through those four letters mm-hmm. real quickly. And mm-hmm. it's F-E-A-R. So fear, it's, it, it stands for two things, really. It stands for fearless. And in fearless, it just means fearless. It doesn't mean be fearless. It just means fearless. You can separate it. It can be two words, fearless. Mm-hmm. And that means not to allow those thoughts, those beliefs, that memory, whatever it is that you're holding on to that's creating that, that internal situation of the stress or the, or the uh, 
heart palpitations or whatever it is that would, would stop you from doing something you really want to do or that you're compelled to do that you know is in your highest and best good. So really just consciously fear less and just be aware of that. Be aware of the fact that, that fear is what is at play right here and that really where you're sitting, where you're standing, whatever it is that you are fearful of is really not taking place. It, it, and again, it's just something that you're holding in your mind. And then the E is engage, and that is engage in whatever it is you feel you need to do to move forward, to do whatever it is you're compelled to do, but whatever that fear is also holding you back. And you, you, as, you, as you take action, because nothing will dissipate fear quicker than taking action in the face of it. But again, recognizing that fear is nothing more than an illusion anyway. It's an idea. It's something you're holding in your head. But when you take action, you, you get motivated, you get animated, you get all these wonderful chemicals in your body that start to move through your body that, that create the, the forward momentum that excite you and that allow us not even think about the fear anymore because we become so engaged in what it is that we are in the process of doing or being that are leading us to whatever it is that we're trying to accomplish or experience. Then the A in fear is awareness. Again, I, I, I use awareness so much in what I speak about because, to me, that's the key to everything. Because once you become aware and you pay attention, you make better decisions. You understand where things are in relation to where you are, what you want to create, what you want to experience. So if you're aware, you're, you're aware of the fact that, okay, this is nothing more than a thought that I'm holding. This thought is what's holding me back. What truth is there behind this thought? What's happening around me right now? Is there anything right now that would say, no, you can't do this other than the thought I have in my, in, my, in my mind? And there's not. So it's the awareness of it. Then it's also the awareness of as you engage, as you take action, that you're moving out of fear and that you're moving towards the, whatever the experience is you're trying to create. And then the R is release. And that's releasing the history, releasing any ideas, any thoughts. I'll even go so far as to say any dogma because there is mm -hmm. so much that we are given over the course of our lives that we hold on to as being true that is just not. And we're told that if we don't do this, we're going to do that. This is going to be the consequence of it. To me, that's terrorism. But, you know, it's, it's just a matter <laughs> of releasing anything that does not support us in whatever it is we're trying to create an experience, which opens the space for everything that is there to support us, which already exists, but we're not giving, we're not giving space to. And once you sure. open up and allow that to happen, then the fear dissipates. Then all of a sudden you find yourself doing and being and experiencing whatever it is that it, that you have been compelled or inspired to do. That's true. Very true. You're listening to From My Mama's Kitchen Talk Radio. Our podcasts are available on iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitches Radio, Blueberry Podcasting, TuneIn Radio, MixCloud, Podchaser, Listen Notes, and HopHopper. Here's a quick reminder to treat yourself to the September edition of our heart-centered and passion-driven Inspirations for Better Living digital magazine at www.inspirationsforbetterliving.com. My guest for this morning is Jim Phillips. Jim is a life strategist, speaker, and America's leading authority on living in full expression. He has spent 30-plus years inspiring others to higher levels of achievement and understanding through his strategy sessions, coaching, writing, and more than 20 international business conference presentations. Jim is a best-selling author with three books to his credit, including The Key to Life, From Inspirations to Intention, and the collaborative book titled The Wellness Universe Guide to Complete Self-Care, 25 Tools for Stress Relief. 
Jim and I are having a conversation about his remarkable life's journey and a compelling message, why the truth is more important now than ever before. I'm your host, Johnny Tan. Jim, why is the truth more important now than ever? It, it's kind of a, a trick statement mm-hmm. or a trick question mm-hmm. because the truth is always important. Mm-hmm. And it's important in this moment and each succeeding moment. So there is never a time when the truth is not important. So when I say the truth is important now more than ever, it's just it is important as we move from one moment to the next, to the next, to the next. And we're seeing in the world around us right now too many people willing to accept, to embrace, to perpetuate misinformation, absolute untruths for personal gain and benefit. And the unfortunate thing is, especially where our younger people are concerned, they're seeing these adults acting out in the way that they're acting out. And it's as if they're giving permission to the children to say, it's okay if you lie, as long as you get what it is that you need. And I will tell you that when I was growing up, if I ever lied, I got smacked. And <laughs> Me too. I was, I was, I, I think most of us were, I was raised that you don't disrespect other people, that you don't lie to other people. You don't, and especially blatantly lie to other people. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying this because I'm choosing sides. I'm just looking at this right, in totality, right. just in terms of where we're seeing all of this misinformation coming from and how it's being used and how information is being manipulated and, and all of those things. But here's what I believe, and I do, I do believe this with all my heart, that what's happening right now is all of the, the, the fear, and that really is what the basis is for all of this disinformation, because people are fearful of losing what they have right. or of this or that happening. I believe that the only way that we can, as humanity, deal with what's happening on the planet is for all of it to come to the surface. And we're seeing it hit the surface in quantities that we haven't seen in my lifetime, at least. I mean, look at all the things that have been happening, whether it be the war, whether it be COVID, whether it be governments collapsing, whether it be threats. I mean, all these sorts of things that are taking place. I've never seen it all come to the surface at one time like this. Or maybe it did, but I wasn't aware of it. And that's where social media and just all the other things that are happening with 24-7 news has brought it to the attention of more people. But be that as it may, it still has to come to the service to be dealt with. And a big part of it is that we all have to accept responsibility for it. Now, that doesn't mean, because I can see people saying, I didn't say that, or I didn't do that, or I don't believe that. (laughs) Well, we're all a part of it because we're here. And because Mm -hmm. we're here, and even if we speak out against it, or if we we say things about people that would be negative or uh, uh, disrespectful, even if you don't like what they're saying, that's contributing to the fear. It's contributing to the energy behind it. And we have to get to this point where we recognize that all of these things that are happening are happening for the benefit of humanity. We have to move through this. We have to have the experience of it. We have to take responsibility for it. And the way that we take responsibility for it is we recognize we're here right now. It's happening. So just because we're here, that is a a part of our contribution to it. But we also have to recognize that I can take authority over my own life. And as I'm making decisions that I know that are based in truth, that I'm not doing anything dishonest or disrespectful, I'm not being 
I'm not being uh, untrustworthy. I'm not sharing misinformation. I'm doing what I can do to make sure that whatever it is that I hold is true. And I mean really hold is true is who I'm being in this world. And then as I do that, and my life reflects that, and I think my life and everybody's life who does that is going to be reflected in a very, using the word positive, very positive, very uplifting, very motivational, very rewarding life. And the more that we do that, other people see that. And they go, well, I, I want my life to be that way too. Well, then they'll realize, well, the only way to do that is to now really start looking at the truth. Who are you? What are you here to do? What can you do? How can you benefit humanity in a very positive way? How can you help uplift everybody else through who you're being? And the more that that gets out there, the more people that are willing to stand up and allow that to be their expression in the world, that's how we overcome it. And then we quit giving so much energy to fear by lashing out against it because fear will just continuously generate more fear. And we feed it by giving it that energy just because we're giving attention to it. doesn't mean we ignore it. I don't mean that because there, you know, there's right. some nuances here that we have to be very careful with. But it's that we just don't give it the energy that it needs. You know, we, we hear all the time, we, we don't give it the oxygen that it needs. And eventually it suffocates. Right. right. What's interesting, though, is like coming to full circle. As a child, we are always curious. Mm-hmm. We are fearless. Not that we don't care. We're fearless. But as a child, we are... Mm-hmm. Always curious. So we're looking for, of course, truth is in the eye of the beholder, but we are looking mm-hmm. through the lens of curiosity. Why? And I think as adults, somewhere along the line, because of the conscious and subconscious demand of our lives, we tend to outsource that. Let somebody else gather the information and just give it to me. And I think on a greater scale, which probably we have to come back and talk at another <laughs> radio session here is the fact that we are all somehow as society has been sort of structured where you have the taskmaster. Don't you agree, Jim? Because in your experience in the business world, I don't want you to think. Let me do the thinking. You do the doing. Life is good. Yeah, but all that's Mm fear-based. You know, Mm -hmm. you talk about curiosity. If, If we are truly curious, if we allow our imaginations to think beyond what is reasonable, mm-hmm. then we, we then become fearful of if we do something that we have imagined that is beyond what we think is reasonable, then we fall back on, well, what is he going to say? What is she going to say? What is my mm-hmm. boss going to say? How will I look? What if I fail? Will I, will I be a total failure with this? Will I look silly? Will I look stupid? That's fear. Mm-hmm. That, that's all fear. Instead of recognizing that we are given this ability, this, this thing that we call curiosity, and with that, this incredible, unlimited imagination, that is the, the purpose for that is for creation. What right. can we do? Who can we be? How much can we create? How much difference can we make in the world? But we, we, we put the governor on, so to speak, where we, we, we say, okay, I can't go faster than this. And when you hit that speed, then you can't go any faster. And that's where our limiting beliefs come in. They act as mm-hmm. the governor. We cannot imagine beyond what we believe is possible. So at some point, and this gets back to releasing, when I use the acronym for fear, we have to release the limiting beliefs we hold that tell us something, something can't be done. So here's the question I would have. If you can imagine something, that creates the potential for whatever that object of that imagination is. The potential for it now exists 
And what actually helps bring it into manifestation is the belief that it can be. And then as we hold on to that belief and we let go of the fact that we, we say it has to be done this way, or if it isn't done this way, it can't be done, we release that to the universe, to God, to spirit, whatever, the creative force behind all that is. We do what we feel we can do, what we understand to do, which we know is leading us towards the fulfillment of that grand imagination we have. And then all of a sudden, and this is where miracles come in, then all of a sudden the universe starts to fill in those voids that we have where we just don't have the information we need or we don't have the, the tools or we don't have the circumstances or the right people haven't shown up. But what happens when we let go of the way we believe it has to be for it to be, then the way it is to be happens. The people show up. The information shows up. Technology changes. This happens. That happens. And it doesn't mean it happens overnight. We, we're, we're here to live through the process of creation. And we, we are to have the experience of it. We're to have the setbacks that are a part of it, too, where we recognize, okay, well, you know, I tried this, but it didn't work. It doesn't mean you didn't fail. I mean, it just means that, okay, that didn't work. What can I take from the experience I just had that will allow me to see something bigger, something grander, something more magnificent than what I originally imagined? How can, how can we create that or how can I do that? And I think that when we live from that, that you know, we, we talk about all the time, child wonder. You know, kids mm -hmm. just allow themselves to have these incredible experiences that are nothing more than wild imaginations. I shouldn't say nothing more than that. I think they're incredibly important. And we stifle it. You know, adults stifle right. it. With a kid staring out the window and they're living in this world, and what do we do? We tell them to pay attention. Mm -hmm. When, in fact, what they're doing is they're allowing their imagination to just bring all these wonderful ideas and thoughts and experiences into their world. And this is a part of the creation for all of us. And we, we've got to mm -hmm. be careful that with technology, that we're not allowing technology. Because you, you mentioned allowing others to speak for us or tell us what to do or how to do right. it. Technology is getting to the point now where, you know, most kids now, I, I, I never thought about this because my son's 32, they don't even teach cursive writing in school anymore. And I've been <laughs> told that some parents, if they want to write messages to each other, they'll write it in cursive writing because their kids can't read it. <laughs> I mean, how crazy is that? It's amazing. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I get off on these tangents, so I apologize for that. But it's just, I no, mean, to me, it's just incredible all. how we are holding ourselves back, yeah. believing that this technology is the answer. And it's not. Right. It supports us in what we're trying to do. It makes things a little bit more efficient. But we're here to have the experience of being a human being and right. everything that comes with that. Right. And in a nutshell, that's the interesting part. I'm so glad you brought it up because in the sense that we do live in a closed system. You cannot create order without creating disorder. So the technology is mm -hmm. there to help us to actually to enhance what we're trying to do. It's about enhancing the creative spirit within us, not to substitute to whereby you no longer think and get lazy. And that's what's happening here because we all of a sudden right now rely on somebody else doing the research supposedly to give us the information. And guess what? Yes, I will share that information with you, but it's based on my opinion. Mm -hmm. An interesting thing with technology is that yeah. we all have heard about uh, mental telepathy, reading other people's minds, communicating yeah. with people without a device just by our thoughts connecting. We know of people who get engaged in remote viewing, which is they can be in one place but place their consciousness in another place right. and be able to describe what's happening in that place randomly. 
that isn't something unique and specific to those people who are doing it. That is something that we are all capable of because we're all of that same source. Right. However, we allow technology. We have an iPhone. We have whatever device we have to give us space time so that we are with that person wherever they are. So what we're doing is we're creating technology that replaces our innate abilities because we don't trust and believe in the fact that we can actually do it. Mm-hmm. It's, mm-hmm. I mean, it's crazy. So we move further and further from our own abilities by creating these things that we look at as being progress. And I'm not right. saying they're not beneficial. I don't want people to misunderstand that. But we, we have those capabilities that, that are innate to us. That is who we are. That's what we're all about. And yet we're giving the power to the, to the tool, to the, right. to the device, to right. do what it is that I believe we're capable of doing. And it's difficult to move from the device to back to being able to do that because it's been so ingrained to us but that's crazy that, mm-hmm. the, you know, those people that do that sort of thing, something's wrong with them. Or, you know, maybe they fell on their head when they were a kid and it knocked the wire loose. And now all of a sudden it reconnected in a way that gives them that opportunity to have mental telepathy or something. But if one <laughs> person has it, we all have it. There isn't anything right. unique to any one person. That's true. Very true. Where can someone go to buy your books, get more information about you, and keep up with your latest happenings? Uh, they can go to my website, which is livinginfullexpression.com. They can order my book from there if they want to sign copy, but they have to be within the continental United States. And the reason I say that is because shipping costs are exorbitant to do anything outside of mm-hmm. the country, even in Canada. I mean, it becomes crazy. It's like $40 to ship a book to Canada. So they can go to my website. Other than that, they can go to Amazon or any of the online book sellers, and they can order my book, and then they would get it more local and have whatever the cost would be associated with that. Also, I, I, events that I have, I do post on my website, so you can go there and get that. I have a lot of articles, a lot of, a lot of downloads, and things of that nature that people can have access to on my website for free. Again, it's livinginfullexpression.com. Or if they want to connect with me directly, just send me an email at jim at livinginfullexpression.com. And I answer all my emails personally. I'm happy to engage with people. And if they would want to work with me in my life strategy work, life coaching work, that term makes a little bit more sense to people. I have different programs that I uh, invite people to participate in, and it's always based on where that person is and what they feel or what comes out of the conversation we have that would be of most benefit to them right here and now. Fantastic. What is next for you? I'm in the middle of writing another book. And this was going to be a little bit more personal in nature. And the, title, the working title of it right now is, His Was a Life Well Lived. And it's just going it, to, it's my reflection on my life. And maybe mm-hmm. it's a little bit of ego because I want my life to be seen as a life well lived. Mm-hmm. But it's from the perspective of what I think that would encompass, not necessarily everything that I have done. But it's about really looking at what what that would look like, what it would feel like. And it's a lot about the information I've received during my life, things that I've shared with other people, experiences, and just more, more information. It's, it's not necessarily just about me and my life, but just the information that I receive through the different means that I receive it. I think it'll be interesting. I'm only about halfway through right now. So we'll see how it ends up. That's fantastic. That's really wonderful. As we close this hour, since our show is about people, family, and living life, would you like to share a recipe for living with our listeners this morning? The recipe is a simple one, and that is embrace life. And that is embrace life and all of its expressions. And what that means is, is open your heart, open your mind, 
Look at everything that shows up in your life as an opportunity, even though the appearance of it is going to be challenging or that it might be something that would, would hold you back. I, I just firmly believe that everything that we are presented is an opportunity to learn more about who we are, why we're here, and then how we can be a benefit and support to other people. So embrace life fully, completely, and wholly, and you'll find your life will be extremely, extremely rewarding. And also want to say with that is that embracing life and being more open and spiritual about it doesn't mean life is going to be easy. It doesn't mean it's going to be simple. It just means you're more aware of what's happening and the purpose for it happening. So true. Beautiful. Jim, thank you for the great recipe for living and for spending this hour with me on From My Mama's Kitchen Talk Radio. To all our listeners, please join me in two weeks, Tuesday morning, October 12th. My guests will be Margaret Donahue and Madeline Gowick. Margaret is a feng shui expert, and Madeline is a world-renowned business astrologer. Margaret and Madeline combined their talent to produce the award-winning Money is an Energy Game book. It is a 300-page encyclopedia of money attraction tools. Margaret, Madeline, and I will be having a conversation about their remarkable life's journey and some of the 112 ways you can enhance or recalibrate your ability to increase prosperity. For additional information about this show and future shows, please go to FromMyMama'sKitchenTalkRadio.com. Thank you for listening and have a very blessed week. Jim, it's been a true pleasure, sir. Thank you again and have a very blessed day. Thank you, Johnny. Appreciate it. It's been a pleasure being here with you. Thank you. Bye-bye.